Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. We've been hearing for years that science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, or the STEM fields, are the key disciplines where the jobs of the future are, but the future is now. And according to a study by four MTSU professors, employers in five southeastern states are having trouble finding enough qualified STEM specialists. Two of those professors, Dr. Sam Zaza, an assistant professor of information systems and analytics, and Dr. Christy Abston, an associate professor of management, are here to help us understand the problem. After this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. In advance of her appearance in the season finale of American Idol, MTSU alum Hunter Walkanowski went home to Winchester, Tennessee, Tuesday the 17th, to bask in the love and support of her fellow Franklin Countyans. To bolster her prior to her last contest round, some 500 people endured the hot sun in front of Oldham Theater on Winchester's public square to watch their native daughter receive numerous honors and presents, including the key to the city, a resolution from the state of Tennessee, and an honorary professorship from her alma mater. And more than 5,200 MTSU students are included on the latest Dean's List for their academic achievements for the spring 2022 semester. To qualify for the Dean's List, an undergraduate student must maintain a current semester grade point average of at least 3.5 and have earned at least 12 semester hours. The Dean's List notation applies only to undergraduate students. MTSU updates the list after each semester ends and student grades are posted. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Sam, Christy, welcome back to the show. Thank you for taking the time to do this. Thank you for having us. Your colleagues will mention at the outset are Dr. Patrick Jiho, Executive Director of the Tennessee Small Business Development Leadership Center, and Dr. Marat Arik, holder of the Chair of Excellence in Urban and Regional Planning. So tell us first about your methodology. How many business executives did you survey and what did you ask them? Uh, we interviewed and we surveyed around above more than 1,000 managers and executives. And it is from the uh, Tennessee Valley Corridor, which is Alabama, Kentucky, North Carolina, Tennessee, and Virginia. We asked them about their perceptions of the supply of STEM workers in their states. We also asked them if they face any problems hiring and finding uh, STEM workers to fill the vacancies and the job opportunities that they are seeking to fill within the next one to 10 years, like on the long run. And then the last question, we were eager to know their human resource management practices to retain, to attract, and to train new hires. Yeah, the Tennessee had the highest percentage of respondents predicting an increase in STEM employees as well. So apparently the Tennessee employers were uh, more optimistic than those in the other states about their continuing to keep the labor pipeline flowing. Yes, it's true. And honestly, this, I think this is a great indication for us. For instance, if we take Nashville and the greater Nashville area, a lot of new companies are moving a lot of entrepreneurial uh, initiatives as companies 
rising in this STEM, especially in the IT industry. So having that perceptions that the executives and the uh, leaders in those organizations saying, yes, we expect higher STEM quality uh, to be available for, for the industry. This is a healthy indication for us in Tennessee. And the overwhelming plurality, anyway, of respondents said the lack of STEM employees would have a negative impact. So given that dire prediction for the overall, what can employers do to address this issue? I mean, employers can recruit whoever is in the market, but the problem actually is beyond just the, the market, the labor market itself. We need to have a step back and look at the whole STEM pipeline. The STEM pipeline to, to fill the, the labor market actually starts from the universities, start from the families, from the community partners, meaning that families and educators and, and the industry as stakeholders, they need to work together to ensure that more students are interested, more students are um, aware of the career options, of the career path, of the job opportunities, and it is booming for STEM, for STEM majors. So interventions need to be addressed at a really early stage of the pipeline, from parents being involved to direct their students about the possible the possibility of um, choosing a STEM major, and then educators and universities need to provide quality education, not just in the cities, but also to address the need of the poorer areas, of the rural areas, to attract those population to and offer them opportunities from funds, scholarship, and all of that, and quality educators that can deliver quality uh, STEM courses. And from that, industries can also contribute in providing scholarship funds, internship to those students, all of that to make sure that they stay in the pipeline that is going to feed the labor market of STEM workers. So really, we need to have a holistic view of what's going on, because organizations cannot recruit worker who doesn't exist. So the intervention should be really early on. Yes, and Rutherford County is doing a really good job on this front in particular, and I think Tennessee as a whole recognizes this pipeline issue. The career and technical education pathways that Rutherford County has in place already with some of the high schools ensures that we have students who are ready and willing to either go, go straight into these advanced manufacturing and advanced technology positions or pursue higher education in one of these STEM areas. On a, a national level, you know, for the past few decades, all we've been hearing about is we've got to have more young people get into the STEM fields because there was this great fear that the United States was falling behind other nations, Japan, China, other nations in these particular areas, and that soon we would be lagging instead of leading. Is it just that it takes time, or did somebody in the marketing department drop the ball, uh, not getting the message through? 
you know, what happened? We're still talking about this decades later. That's a really good question. It is one of those that, you know, it's going back to that pop one. I think it's because it's a multifaceted problem. There was no real simple solution. And at the end of the day, especially in the United States, you really can't force people to pursue certain career fields. It's not that way in other countries. They're limited, you know, based on their aptitude as to which fields they can study in universities. And so we've had a harder time convincing our parents and students that math and science are are not as difficult maybe as they perceive them to be and that these careers can be rewarding as long as you're willing to stick it out. I think it's, we continue to see a shortage of, let's say, females in engineering, for example. And that's, I remember when I was growing up that that was one of those things that was a push for females to be in math and science. And even now, golly, I won't tell you my age, but we're still seeing the effects of that in terms of shortages of females in those areas. The IT field, it is 70 male, 30 female. And even though this hasn't been the case before the 1980s, we had more female in the IT before that. But now, since the 80s till now, which is like almost 50 years, that scale, that percentage is falling short on female. So what can we do to encourage and what's really going on? Why over 50 years of research and advice to industries that still this is the case? And I think as Christy was mentioning, it is multifaceted, but what's going on, I think that even in the industry, organizations, educators and communities, they are working in silos. As long as these stakeholders are not being transparent on the initiatives that they are undergoing. And if they're not gonna be working really together, right? Even industry collaborators need to work together to fix this problem. And I'm talking, I'm I'm being very specific about the IT industry because this is where my expertise is. If they're not gonna work together on this issue, not just issue of gender, you know, um, misrepresentation, but also if you look at first generation students, and if you look at, um, you know, to, to be inclusive in the in the workplace, now the new generation or the new workforce is really different than what has been previously. So organizations need to look back and realign their human resource practices to align with what the new workers are needing. And in addition to that, uh, more initiatives that needs to start from the um, middle school, high school, to introduce these students to the possibilities of the STEM, what career path they can take that will also address. And we need to address this if we really wanna compete internationally. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. This is MTSU on the record. Expanding Your Horizons is an annual hands-on science and math conference for middle and high school girls. EYH enables girls to investigate careers in science and math and to talk with female leaders in those fields that are so essential to our nation's future. EYH also provides the girls with fun hands-on activities and allows them to meet girls with similar interests. 
I'm Dr. Judith Iriarte-Gross, EYH Director. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. The Army ROTC College Program at MTSU prepares students mentally, physically, and emotionally to become leaders and promotes virtues of duty, honor, country. ROTC cadets are involved in all academic disciplines, athletics, and student organizations at MTSU. Full scholarships and tuition assistance are awarded based on merit. All cadets upon graduation will serve their country as second lieutenants either in the Army, Army Reserve, or Army National Guard. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. We're talking with Dr. Sam Zaza and Dr. Christy Abston about a study they conducted with colleagues Dr. Patrick Jiho and Dr. Maradarik about the STEM fields and a study of uh, employers in five southeastern states trying to find qualified STEM specialists and running into some difficulties. More respondents said that they could retain employees more readily than they could attract and train new employees. So what are they doing to keep those employees on board? What's working? Three things. And I would say the most important thing is the ability to pay competitive pay, especially now with the with the inflation. That's that's gonna fit very, very well and with the great resignations. People are reevaluating what's important in their life. They've been through a lot. They're not going to forget what they went through. And they are reassigning more values on job security, on pay, and the fit with the organizations they are working with. Yeah, I think this kind of goes back to the idea of who makes up these STEM positions. And I would say if we were to look at some of the demographic information we, which we didn't have this on all of the employees at these organizations, but we see a lot of people who are maybe on the older side. And I mean like 40 and up, which I'm certainly within that group. And once they settle in and they've been with an organization for five or more years, they're less likely to turn over. And so that retention element is partly due to the demographics of their workforce, but also the nature of the jobs. They're experts on their jobs. They like what they do. And so getting them to switch jobs is a little bit harder than someone who's fresh out of college and maybe did an internship and they start with a company and they work there for a year and they hate it. And so they're much more willing to switch jobs. So the attraction piece, though, like Sam was saying, is more of an issue now post-pandemic because everyone has had a chance to see that, you know, things are maybe not as, not as awesome as we thought they were when our companies responded to COVID. And so that attraction piece, I'd be curious how that would, what these statistics would look like now, because I think more and more companies are seeing challenges with attracting and getting people to come on board, even though there are more people looking you know, that whole selling your jobs has become a greater challenge. This would be anecdotal since it's not part of the survey, but do you think the great resignation, as it's been called by some economists, has played a part in the the STEM shortage since the pandemic? Uh, The great resignation definitely influenced the labor market greatly. And it did not just influence the worker, Actually, it is influencing the organization more. It is reshaping 
the organization and giving more power, more negotiating power to the worker. If you look before the, um, before the pandemic, it was the opposite. Organizations were more rigid, more holding onto their practices. And they were like, you know, like they were able to pick what employee to hire. Now, the whole pandemic, the two years where workers really had to, the time to pause and reflect on life, on their organization, on their work life. And they decided that if it's not worth it, if it's not aligning with their, their new values, they are going to quit because there is a new model that proved to be successful. So the shift or the uh, pivotal shift to, to IT tools, if you want to say like that whole remote working, the, the nomads, where working from anywhere, working from any time, it doesn't really matter. Now, the physical boundaries, the organizational physical boundaries have proven within these two years that they're not necessary for the success of organizations and they should not be required for all job for all job descriptions those organizations that were skeptical about offering flexibility to their workers or to offer remote working to to the employees they reevaluated their perceptions because what we went through the pandemic proved a lot of the organizations wrong those who are skeptical about innovation, they were proven wrong. Innovation can happen. Success can happen, even if you provide remote working conditions to your workers. And actually, having this opportunity, and this is what I believe it is behind that great resignations, some job type can be done fully remotely. For instance, in the IT industry, if you are a software developer, software engineer, even system engineer, whatever, all of these, you don't need to be physically in the organization. So there are a lot of job types that can be done completely remotely. That's one thing. That is why we have the great resignation. The second thing is that because we have what we call the gig economy, the online platform, the visibility of employees is much, much more. For instance, you can post your um, your resume on LinkedIn. More employers will, will will know that you are looking for a job. So that competition is much much higher. So it's going to be very hard for organizations to attract uh, new hires. And one major thing that organizations are following nowadays is that. They want to hire somebody who has at least three years of experience. So if you are requiring this as an organization, what message are you sending to the new fresh grants? I would really rephrase the issue. There is not a shortage of fresh new grants. There is a shortage of skilled STEM workers because organizations need to give opportunities for new fresh grads and give them attractive job opportunities to have them 
retain them, train them. It's okay to to train them and spend all of that time on the on the onboarding. So now these companies that have been successfully working remotely, they're competing not just regionally for their employees, they're competing for employees around the world. And so my husband works in the information technology industry and they've been losing people with, you know, technology backgrounds, 15 years of experience, and they're going and getting $50,000 raises. And so his company recently reevaluated their compensation structure because they recognize that they're not just competing with this one little sliver anymore. And so we have to challenge leaders to reevaluate their perceptions of what it takes to be successful on jobs. Like Sam was saying, it's about skills, not necessarily experience. Organizations that look at exactly what you can do and what you're capable of doing versus, oh, yes, you have five years of experience. They're going to be more successful in finding the people they need for their jobs, but they're also going to have to be very flexible because the majority of people now, not just in STEM, want to have some flexibility in terms of working remotely, not being required to come into the office. And I see, I see all these news headlines of organizations that are requiring their people to come back or take a pay cut. And I'm just scratching my head thinking they're just going to quit because they, they can go find another job within a week or two, probably making more money. And so it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. I would challenge any executives or leaders who are listening to really question why you're requiring people to come back to the office. Is it a control thing? Do you have data that supports they're more productive in the office versus at home? Have you looked at their satisfaction and their intentions to leave? It's going to be a big mess if you're basing it on your preference preferences instead of it being a data-driven decision. We'll be right back after this. This is MTSU on the record. NTSU's Jewish and Holocaust Studies minor offers undergraduate students a chance to study the culture and religion of the Jewish people and the Holocaust in an interdisciplinary program. Studies include history and culture, theology and philosophy, and the arts and social sciences. Courses tackle vital topics central to local and global awareness, including multiculturalism and the meanings of diversity, religious tolerance, and genocide. For the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The MTSU Department of Art has the newest facility for visual arts in the state with approximately 50,000 square feet of space, including high-tech computers and computer-driven equipment for multimedia, graphic design, printmaking, sculpture, painting, and ceramics. We feature a visiting artist lecture program and an exhibition program that exposes students to work by national and international artists. To find out more, visit mtsunews.com. We're talking with Dr. Sam Zaza, an assistant professor of information systems and analytics, and Dr. Christy Abston, an associate professor of management, who were two of the four MTSU professors who worked on a study of five southeastern states and the employers in STEM fields, uh, trying to find out what their difficulties are in finding qualified STEM labor. What's so future studies do you think can be done using your study as a jumping off point into related areas that perhaps this study didn't cover? I think that future studies would definitely want to take into consideration the impact that the pandemic has had on both the work design, the job design, 
as well as the compensation structure, as well as the culture of the organization, because as Sam was saying, it's going to all be shaped by how the companies responded to the pandemic initially, and then how they've responded to trying to bring their employees, you know, air quotes, back into the office if they were our office workers to start with. And so we, we would probably collect data related to the pandemic, maybe some of that diversity, equity, and inclusion data that Sam was alluding to. Also, maybe generational differences, because I think we would probably see some differences and preferences related to age among workers in this area. What research can, can do based on this one is to see what kind of collaborations between industries, educators, universities, community partners, and parents, what initiative can be successful in attracting more students to choose a STEM major? What this initiative will, will look like, how we can measure the success or the failure of these initiatives and how we can address the shortcoming or the drawbacks of this initiative. The second thing that we can do, so what can we offer students who are already in a STEM major to make sure that they're gonna graduate with a STEM degree? Funds either, either from industry or the government provide more scholarship maybe to try to attract also the poorer areas, the rural areas, also for community partners, maybe to have some sort of an events to introduce them to, to you know, having maybe workshops to introduce them to um, what does it look like as, as to have a degree in STEM. Let's provide them with role models, with mentors that they can meet. The name of the study is Managerial Perceptions of STEM Workforce Supply and Demand Issues, and it was published in the summer 2020 issue of the Global Journal of Management and Marketing. Our guests have been Dr. Sam Zaza and Dr. Christy Abston. Thank you both for being our guest on MTSU on the record. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. We'll be right back. The Intercultural and Diversity Affairs Center helps to promote awareness and understanding of the wide variety of cultures represented at MTSU. The center provides information, referrals, and resources. Additionally, IDAC tries to make students from different cultures feel welcome and comfortable on campus so they can have every opportunity to fulfill their academic, social, and personal potential. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The mission of the June Anderson Center for Women and Non-Traditional Students is to provide education, advocacy, direct services, outreach, and programming for the MTSU campus and surrounding community on gender-related issues. The center also assists older students who are trying to balance work, college, and family. It also sponsors a monthly legal clinic, career brown bag series, book club, and a newsletter twice a year. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, Go to mtsunews.com. Gina Fan has the middle moment. MTSU celebrated the amazing accomplishments of more than 2,470 new graduates at its recent spring 2022 commencement ceremonies. MTSU trustee and retired Bridgestone America's senior executive, Christine Karboyak, urged the students to be ready for the detours 
and the wonderful possibilities. If you are really and truly prepared to follow your dreams, then the vision you hold in your mind's eye right now will not come to pass. And this is the best thing that will ever, ever happen to you. Plans almost never unfold exactly like we want them to, and thank the stars for that. In my experience, it's the people who believe this and embrace this, those who are willing to pivot in the face of either opportunities or challenges, who find the most success and satisfaction along the road into the future. They wind up being deeply grateful for all those detours. That's MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.